Good morning. I'm Earl Stewart. I welcome you to Earl Stewart on Cars, a live talk show all about how to buy, lease, maintain, or repair your car without being ripped off by a car dealer. With me in the studio is Nancy Stewart, my wife, co-host, and a strong consumer advocate, especially for our female listeners. We also have Rick Kearney, an expert on how to keep your car running right. I dare you to ask a question that Rick can't answer about the mechanics or electronics of your car. Also with us is my son, Stu Stewart, our link to cyberspace through Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Periscope. Stu is also the Spymaster Director of our Mystery Shopping Report. He dispatches our secret shopper weekly to an unsuspecting South Florida dealership. And now, on with the show. Good morning, everybody. This is Earl, the recovering car dealer, and I'm live and in color right here on your uh, Facebook or YouTube. And uh, my voice is live across the radio channels of the world. I've uh, been doing this show for 17 years. You've heard my recorded introduction, and I kind of covered everything pretty well. Uh, we're a team here to help you, basically, help you avoid being ripped off. I hate to use that phrase, but it uh, kind of rolls trippingly off the tongue, and it works for me. How to avoid being ripped off by a car dealer when you're buying, leasing, maintaining, or repairing your car. Uh, and uh, it happens too much. Uh, there's a Gallup poll that has been conducted every year since 1977. You regular listeners are saying, oh no, don't tell me about that Gallup poll again. But we have a lot of new folks out there that tune in. And in case you don't know it, you probably do know it, but car dealers don't really exactly treat you right when you go in to buy a car. Uh, some states are better than other states. Uh, this broadcast is coming from Florida. Florida is the wildest uh, west town. This is Dodge City in terms of car dealers. And uh, no, I'm not going to tell you I'm uh, Matt Dillon or, or uh, who was the other guy? Uh, Wyatt Earp. Wyatt Earp is the guy, uh, somebody. But uh, I'm not trying to clean up Dodge. I'm just trying to arm you to help you take care of yourself. How about Annie Oakley? Uh, Annie Oakley, yes. Annie Oakley is sitting to my left. You just heard her <laughs> speak there. But uh, if you listen carefully and you tell your friends and uh, neighbors about the show uh, and you're in the process of buying or leasing a car, you've got a car already and you want to take it into the independent mechanic or a car dealership to get fixed or maintained, uh, you'll hear some good stuff on this show. And we love to hear from you mainly. That's uh, uh, It sounds like I'm just trying to charm you because uh, you're my listeners and viewers. Fact is, we get some really cool calls. Uh, we learn something interesting every day or every Saturday on this show. And uh, we pass it along, you know. If you have a car dealer out there that is really treating you right, oh, please tell us about it, because there's, there's not many of them. The Gallup poll puts car dealers on the very bottom in terms of honesty and, ec and ethics and professions, and it's put them on the bottom uh, for the past 45 years. So this isn't a fluke. And if you're a Florida person listening, you're really in trouble. Uh, the hidden fees, the dealer and sole accessories, and the tricks of the service drive are rampant. It's really crazy. And I, I get a lot of calls because I make myself uh, very public. Uh, this show, I have, everybody has my personal cell phone number. Uh, I have the blog. I have the, uh, this show here, of course, where I do public speaking. So people call me all the time, and their tales of woe are unbelievable. Don't have a tale of woe. Listen, learn from our blog and this show. And uh, there I went on too long. I was going to try to cut my introduction short. Uh, let me introduce um, um, my wife, Nancy Stewart, my co-pilot on Earl Stewart on Cars. Uh, 
She has uh, been with me from the get-go. Uh, she's a founder of the show with me, back on a little radio station called Seaview Radio, half an hour, and here we are, uh, big time. Uh, we've got a, a large listening audience, a large viewing audience, and we're on for two hours every Saturday, and Nancy's been with me on this long, long ride, and she does a fantastic job. Uh, her One of her main functions is her female advocacy, and uh, she's built our listening audience up to half female, which is the way it should have been from the get-go. It was zero female 17 years ago. Now it's 50-50, and that's thanks to Nancy Stewart. Well, thank you very much. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. We have a fantastic show ahead. Hope you can stick with us for the next two hours. And for the ladies this morning, as we do every Saturday morning, we extend $50 to the first two new lady callers. Just a little encouragement. We'd love to hear from you. You play an important part in the transaction of purchasing, um, leasing, service, everything. So we'd like to hear from you, find out uh, what kind of an experience you may have had, or do you just have an opinion for us? Again, $50 for the t first two new lady callers, and you can give us a call at 877-960-9960. Or if you have a question and you're a little shy, you can text us, 772-497-6530. And we also have another offer. If you want to remain anonymous, you can go to www.youranonymousfeedback.com. Now back to the recovering car dealer. That anonymous feedback has really worked well. I had no idea that we would get as many sometimes. Uh, comments, uh, criticisms, uh, and, the, and the anonymous feedback you would think would be used to assassinate us, to uh, insult us, and things like that. Uh, we only get a few of those, a few zingers, and that's good, because if we don't get the zingers, then we're really not getting everybody. So youranonymousfeedback.com, because you'd like to be anonymous. A lot of people, they just don't want to get involved. Uh, they'd like to say what they had to say without having to explain and shoot the question out there, and they, they feel better about it. So your, Y-O-U-R, A-N-O-N-Y-M-O-U-S, anonymousfeedback.com. And we'd love to hear from you. Those come on Stu Stewart's uh, computer over there. And uh, of course, the texts come in too, 772-497-6530. Our YouTube is covered by Rick Kearney, and he's our technical specialist. Uh, Stu is our cyber space, uh, cyberspace. He's our uh, cyber spy master. Is that what we call you? Cyber assassin. Yeah, cyber. And, and he goes, uh, he's in charge of our mystery shopping report. And uh, a lot of people know all about it. But uh, Stu, tell them about why this is a special report. Before I get into the mystery shopping report, um, communications with the show is the, is the lifeblood of the show, so all the calls and the texts. And I was inspired by a couple of longtime listeners. Um, I came in here, powered up my computer, and there's a text from Emory. Um, I got a text from Brian out in California who asks us questions cool. nearly every week. And, um, and of course, your anonymous feedback, uh, we get these coming in all the time. Sometimes we get so busy that we don't get to all the texts, yeah. and then we'll carry them over to the next week. Um, 
my my suggestion is if you if you have a question during the week, if you're just thinking about it, go ahead and text it um, ahead of time. Anytime. Yeah. yeah. The earlier you get in, the more likely we're going to get to your text. So yeah. I would say every week we might have a handful of texts that we we, we just run out of time because uh, there's a lot of questions out there and we do our best to answer them all, but. And sometimes we'll go in the, the lightning round and, and do rapid, uh, rapid fire question answering. And uh, that kind of does a disservice to the questioner because sometimes it might be a, a one word answer, yes or no, but we'd like to get into it a little bit more. So try and send those in a little bit, little bit earlier and uh, we can get to them all. Uh, mystery shopping report, um, without giving uh, too much away, well, we went back and did another Takata test uh, for the Takata airbag recall. And uh, we did that because last week we tried to do it and it, um, kind of spiraled out of control, became a very entertaining but also informative mystery shop. So uh, last week's was a doozy. Yeah. Uh, this one's pretty good, too. You know, the, our mystery shopper uh, often doesn't get enough credit. He has to be anonymous because obviously the dealers would be looking for him and seeing his picture, uh, name, and thing like that. But but uh, it takes a special kind of, a kind of person. We've tried other, we've We've tried people to uh, out for mystery shopping, and they just can't do it. Yeah. And it's not a bad thing because uh, you have, I don't know how to say this without insulting Age of Thunder, but you have to be hardened. You have to be able to pretend and, yeah. I guess, lie. You, you have to go in there and say, I'm a real customer buying a real car. You don't literally say act. that. You have to act. Yeah. 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 So you have to have that. You're, and I'm not... I guess I could do it because, and Stu, you could do it. Uh, I know Nancy, and I don't know about Rick. Maybe I don't know, but it takes a special person, and we've had some excellent. And this guy here, Agent Thunder, really does it well. Yeah, I was worried. We had a. If you're a longtime listener, you know all about a Agent X, and Agent X was our primary shopper for years. Yeah. And this guy was truly fearless. Uh, he yeah. would go in there, and. They are able to kind of act like a chameleon because we ask them to take on different personas and roles when they go in. Yeah. Uh, some people just, you know, are, are not comfortable doing that. If I told Agent X to go in and be a, a hard ass, he'd, he'd go in there and give him hell. Uh, Agent Thunder's the same way. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Rick Kearney sitting to my right, certified diagnostic master technician. And uh, when we first started the show, we didn't have a, a Rick Kearney. We didn't have a, it was mainly a sales thing. And I don't know what point occurred to Nancy and me, you know, complaints, you get far more complaints about service departments than you do buying a car. Real simple. You take your car two or three times a year to service, you buy a car every four or five years. And so uh, the negative experiences, even though it aren't as costly, they could come close. Uh, Rick, uh, what would you say uh, is the most common cause of people being taken advantage of in the service department. I know this is a little bit out of your area of expertise, but you, you see it, don't you? They don't ask questions. Huh. Uh, first thing they should, the folks ought to be doing is following their factory recommended maintenance guide right. that tells what the routine maintenance for oil changes, tire rotations, air filters, the like. Right. But for other things, when, they're, when a repair is recommended, a service writer who, shall we say, is um, experienced at getting the money will sell them things that they don't really need or push them into repairs a little too easily yeah. because a lot of customers don't ask questions, especially let, the guys. Let me, let me interrupt you here because you said something. I get texts on this all the time. 
people are incredulous at the fact that the person that you meet in a service drive, whether you go into a tire store, independent service department, uh, Jiffy Lube, uh, <clears throat> or a car dealership, these people are paid on commission. And they call themselves uh, advisors, they call themselves assistant service managers. Mm -hmm. They are service salespeople. They and are. I, and, and, and they're honest ones, and there's dishonest ones. But the thing to remember that the more you buy from that service representative, the more money they make. That's how they feed their family. And uh, they might, might get a guarantee, and they might have some other tweaks on their pay plan. But the, the service salesperson that sells the most service makes the most money. So go ahead. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. And, and in all honesty, auto mechanics are paid on a system called flat rate, which is Bingo. the more work that I can do, the better I get paid. And exactly. some jobs pay more time than others. Like, say, if we're doing a simple brake job, it'll pay two hours labor. If it takes me four hours to do it, I still get paid two hours. Exactly. If I can have it done in 45 minutes, I still get paid two hours labor. Yeah. So a good mechanic who can do his job successfully without making mistakes and is fast can make a lot of money. Exactly. However... The unscrupulous mechanic is going to be the guy that knows which jobs he can do really fast for good money, and whether you need it or not, he may recommend it. Exactly, and, and it's always not a, it's always not black and white when you have an issue with a car. You could have a, a leak of some kind. It could mm -hmm. be a, a fluid leak, a, even an oil leak, and the solution could range from thousands of dollars to don't worry about it now. Uh, if it gets worse, come back, or maybe it's a good time to trade your car or something. I mean, it's not black and white. So when you get the diagnosis, a good question to ask is, what happens if I don't do this now? It really puts them on the spot. Now, they might lie to you again, say, the car's going to blow up. But they might say, well, you know, if they have a conscience, they'll say, Probably nothing, but uh, sooner or later, you're going to have to get this fixed. And say, oh, sooner or later. Well, I'm a little tight of money now. I just got laid off. Uh, I don't know why I can afford mm -hmm. a $2,000 repair. I'm going to baby this car for a few more months, and will I be okay? Yeah, probably. An honest mechanic will tell you what you need to know yeah. and pull out the Missouri attitude. Show me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> If they tell you, hey, your brakes are really worn down, yeah. show me. Yeah, Take me you, back in the shop and show me Even if you're bluffing because you wouldn't be technically qualified, they don't know that, right? Exactly. And uh, and it, and, you're, and he might assume that you could figure it out. So he'll say, well, wait a minute. Uh, let, me, let me reconsider. <laughs> and yet an honest mechanic is the first. And this, this is one where Nancy will love this because females, the women that come to our shop that don't necessarily have that background in auto mechanics, yeah. they're one of the first ones to say, tell me why I need this, show me on my car why I need this, teach me what I need to know yeah, they're not, so they're I not can make a good decision. Us guys, we, we won't ask directions when we're lost. Exactly. A woman will ask directions. Women have that confidence of the fact to admit that they don't know everything about everything. Us guys, we got all the answers, so we don't want to question the mechanic, make it make us look stupid. Mm -hmm. That's an excellent point. And an, an educated customer can make a good decision about their car. And when I show that I am an honest mechanic, and I show them this is yeah. what you should do today, this is what you should do sometime yeah. in the future, and this I wouldn't even worry about it. Yeah. 
that person is going to trust me and they're going to keep coming back to me and times when work slows down and the other mechanics are sitting on their toolboxes uh -huh. i'm going to have work because people will trust me and they will come back to have me work on their cars and i have a career of this this but isn't just a job this honest, is my career if you have an honest mechanic and an honest service technician they're still on commission so yep. i i like this idea i i do this with technicians when they you know come over to the house uh i say when it's all through and they give me the diagnosis i says what would you do if it was your computer what yep. would or they maybe it's air conditioning i say if this is your mother's air conditioner what would you recommend and if they're honest there's always a, a gray. There's a there's a middle road somewhere, and the yep. big fat repair bill can be rationalized and even justified. If you took it to court, they could say, "Well, he was telling you the truth." But there's a gray area. So, well, that's good. Uh, Rick can answer your questions. Eight seven seven nine six zero ninety nine sixty. That's eight seven seven nine six zero ninety nine sixty. Our text line for whatever you want to tell us or ask us is seven seven two area code. Four nine seven six five three zero. That's seven seven two, four nine seven six five three zero. We're streaming Facebook. We're streaming Twitter, uh, YouTube. So check all those channels. Check all that and listen to the radio, and uh, do whatever you contact center where you can. How are we doing on a backlog? Yeah, we always have a backlog. Let's get started with one of the early birds. Uh, we have Brian from California, which is particularly difficult. This came in at five o two a.m. our time. Yeah. I guess that is about 1 or 2 o'clock his time. So it says, hey, Stu, Brian from California. Last week I asked Rick about what type of damage could be done to a Toyota Corolla XSE, or really any car, by starting it up and taking off instantly without letting, any warm, letting anything warm up. Uh, Rick said it could possibly cause premature wear to the engine. Uh, today I'd like to ask Rick this. Uh, would it discourage you from taking over the car long term from the person who has been impatiently doing this act to the car. I think he's talking about his dad. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, also, uh, what do you guys think about the new Ford Bronco? Um, I got something to say about that. Um, it's gotten a lot of attention out here on the West Coast. I think it could be hot. Take care, looking forward to the show as always. Uh, before you get into this, the, the impatient driving, um, the new Bronco is coming out, uh, is out. Uh, it's uh, to compete with the, with the Jeeps. And it has a lot of the same features, like removable doors, which I know that you just love. It's a great safety feature. <laughs> removable door, removable roof. Um, and it's designed to be a true off-road vehicle. It looks really cool. Um, I think it's going to give, and it's got a legacy image, too. It's got, it was a very popular car. They haven't made it since the 90s, I don't think. Yeah. It's going to give Jeep a run for the money. Yeah, I don't want to be a spoiled sport, and I don't want to sound like an old fogey, but why isn't there a law saying you can't drive in a car with your doors off? I mean, if, if you take the doors off your truck or your car uh, and you roll over, I don't care whether you got your shoulder harness or seatbelt on or not, that's not a good thing. Uh, why? That's that, because well, they go, well, the postman can do it. Do what? The postman can do it. Oh, yeah. The well, UPS driver can do it. Well, yeah, that's, that's another excellent question, other than the fact that the federal government can do anything they want, but uh, it's not safe for the driver. Yeah. Anyway, that's just. Uh, you know, you mentioned the Bronco. The only thing in the first thing that I could think of, and it's been a long time, O.J. Oh, <laughs> the white Bronco. Oh, gosh. <laughs> what a memory. What did O.J. do for sales on the Broncos back then? Well, I don't know. It was, it, it, they stopped making it very shortly after that, so maybe not so. Maybe it wasn't a good impact. Oh, boy. <laughs> okay, so, Rick, what do you think about that, uh, the uh, impatient dad uh, driver? 
I, I would kind of judge it by the mileage on the car. If it's still relatively low, say under 36,000, I would probably say you're safe to go ahead with that. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things that can happen to a car, uh, before a used car, before you buy it. Um, that yep. probably ranks pretty low in like the, the, the abuse yeah. that a car could take. Yeah, and if it's had proper maintenance, oil changes done regularly yeah. like they're supposed to, I would think you probably are going to be okay. All right. So I got a question for Rick on the same job. Yesterday, uh, my car was sitting out in the sun, and I backed it back into the garage, and we're getting ready to go somewhere. And so I left the uh, open the garage door to be safe and left the uh, engine run, and it was high RPM. And I figured it was just doing this warm-up thing. So I walked in the house and uh, got caught up with something else. And I was in there for probably 10 minutes before we did leave, came back, and the engine was still racing. Uh, mm. I remember something about that if you tap the accelerator, it'll de-race, it'll go off. Yep. I, ne I never tapped it. Uh, probably wasn't a good thing for me to do to the engine unknowingly, but is that normal in cars that if you uh, were, were the high RPM warm-up will not automatically go off, you have to tap it? That's a bit abnormal. That. Uh, most cars, they should bring it back down on its own because it's all computer controlled now. I'll let you look at the car. I'll bring it in. Yeah. Thank you. That's always the best <laughs> idea. We're going to go to our first caller, and that's Tom from Jupiter. Welcome to the show. Hey, Tom. Hi, uh, good morning, everybody. Um, I called in last week about this particular question, and you told me to follow up and let you know what happened. My friend was looking at a used Audi, and... Um, and uh, we were talking about maybe taking it into your independent mechanic before uh -huh. you buy the thing. And I know Earl said that any reputable dealer will let you do that, of course. And so uh, we went down to Audi of Palm Beach and uh, asked the salesperson that, well, listen, can we take it to our independent? He said, no, no, no. He said, you know, <laughs> you're not allowed to leave the lot with this car, uh, any of our cars. And, I mean, it was a used vehicle, but still yeah, pre-owned. Yeah. And uh, he said, no. He said, you can't do that. He said, if you've got a problem, you bring it back to me. Well, I trust that about as much as you could throw a car. Uh -huh. And um, But anyway, he, he wouldn't let us take it to our independent before, we purchased, before my friend purchased it. Good information. So I thought I'd let you know. Good information. Uh, that was Palm Beach Audi on Palm Beach Lakes Boulevard? That was, uh, no, no, it was on Okeechobee. Okeechobee, okay. Palm Beach yeah. Audi. Who owns yeah. that studio? You know, is, that a, I th is that a Brayman dealership? I don't know. I don't think uh, so. Yeah. It Brayman, is, yeah. okay. Yes, yeah. Yeah. It's well, Brayman. Yeah. Well, that's very interesting. I, yeah. You know something? I bet I, the Brayman organization, uh, at least at the top, is a legitimate uh, group of dealerships. The problem sure. is you get a sure. salesperson that's not properly trained. I know. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I know. Yep. Yeah, so, it's all uh, about individuals because he said they have the best mechanics. We've got Audi, uh -huh. top-notch Audi mechanics, and I learned something else from somebody else about the mechanics training schools. But uh, anyway, and uh, he said, no, 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 you can't take it to your independent. No, it has to stay here. So... I just thought I'd let you know that Audi of Palm Beach on Okeechobee. Well, that's good information, Tom, and that's the reason I love sure. callers to share this because uh, Tom uh, had the courage uh, in this, you know, to, to, to resist that. He would say, uh, I'm going to insist or else I won't buy the car. 
a lot of people just roll yeah. over and they would they would take it. This salesperson we talked about commission earlier is paid on commission, and he probably figured yeah, he right. want exactly he wants to sell the car today, and if he gave it to you to take sure. it to the mechanic, uh, it's going to delay the sale. He might not sell it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So. Well, the bad news is my friend. I mean, my friend just went ahead and bought it. Okay. Oh. So. Um, he didn't do what you recommended last week, and that was just walk away and yeah. go to another dealer or something. Yeah. But anyway, whatever. Great call, so, Tom. Uh, Thank you very much. Very yep. valuable. Sure. And thanks for sharing sure. that. Thank you, sure. Tom. Bye. Give us a call toll-free at 877-960-9960, or you can text us at 772-497-6530. And don't forget, ladies, $50 for the first two new lady callers. Give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. Back to Stu. Uh, we have a couple of comments on Facebook. Uh, Steve uh, was listening to our discussion about men asking for directions. He says that is why men have GPS. <laughs> right. Yeah, you're right. If it hadn't been for that, GPS may never have been invented. Exactly. We did that just to, uh, well, I don't know who invented GPS. So. Uh, and he also said that car dealers, you rarely, if ever, get to meet the mechanic. And that's true. That's not something that a lot of car dealers uh even let you do um, a lot of them you know yeah. for insurance reasons won't let you back into the area of the shop and yeah. um, well they say it's for insurance reasons yeah. and uh, there's no reason why the uh, technician can't come out and talk to the sure. customer so uh, again uh, there are a lot of ways to dissuade people from doing what they should do like having the car they're going to buy and check it out by an independent mechanic the used car and to talk to the technician uh, you might get an entirely different story from the technician that you got from the service advisor. So, you know, if you get an oil change, you don't waste your time. But if you're having uh, expensive work done on your air conditioner, transmission, yeah. your brakes, you want to talk to the guy that's actually hands-on. And, you know, going eyeball to eyeball uh, with likely, somebody yeah. sometimes uh, makes a person feel a little bit more. It does. You uh, connect with them. It's, it's very easy yeah. to have a, a faceless person that you're recommending. Sure. Like people ask Rick questions, he answers answers them honestly all the time. What would you do if this is your truck? And Rick's looking at me. Rick's going to tell him the truth. Well, he may say, "Well, I wouldn't do it," you know, if he didn't think it was necessary. Exactly. It's much easier for me, you know, for a technician to yeah. to send notes out on a repair order. I say that to my doctor. Yeah. You know, he'll give you me. A, he'll make a recommendation. Yeah. I'll say, yeah. "What would you do if it was your father? Yeah. What would you do if it was?" Your, you know. your kidney. Yeah. Hey, uh, listen, uh, guys, uh, back on track here. If what you say is true, Stu, about liability, and I think uh, Rick has alluded to it, you know, at times also, as far as the, uh, you know, the mechanic and uh, you can't come back here, blah, blah, blah. Uh, what is the percentage of uh, customers, consumers uh, that would you know, stand eye to eye with the mechanic and say, um, "Okay, uh, listen, uh, let's uh, let's go out in the parking lot. Let's discuss this. Uh, let's uh, you know, put the hood up and let's uh, let's take this apart." I think it's unusual. I mean, we're kind of an unusual situation because we encourage it. Um, so, my point of view from the, you know from from our dealership that we have, um, it's a it's a commonplace thing. I don't know what percentage, but it's a high amount. Um, we volunteer it often. Um, as far as like the insurance liability going in the shop, you know, it, number one, it depends on how clean your shop is. You got a really messy place; you can trip over things. Uh, we keep ours really clean, and if, as long as you walk back there with a, you know somebody, we're happy to show it off. Yeah. We're not worried about somebody getting hurt. Uh -oh. um, the main thing is just worry about getting run over. So if you know the, the traffic patterns, stay clear of it. You're, you're pretty safe in a in a yeah. mechanical shop. If, if you've got some extensive work that needs done, 
what I'm saying is that, um, you, you know, uh, what's wrong with, uh, and, and what's the percentage of women uh, that would do something like this and say, hey, listen, let's, uh, let's take this car out to the uh, parking lot. You and I will do a one-on-one. -on -one. We'll get that hood up, uh, go into some details and uh, work this out, and uh, we'll, we'll go from there. Uh, would you say that it's 10%, uh, 20%? That's a great question. Let, let's go to Napleton. I, Forget I, Earl Stewart <laughs> Toyota. Oh, I don't. I, I probably doesn't happen enough for sure. That's why we're on the show telling people do that. Ask to see the car. Ask to see what they're talking about. Um, you got to be educated before you make any decision. You know, especially on an expensive repair. Yeah. Uh, what's the percentage of uh, customers that would say, "Hey, listen, when you replace that part, throw that, throw it in my trunk. Uh, I'm gonna take a look at it later." No, thirteen percent. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> part, of, part of the problem, with all that is a lot of. If, if it's a good service department, they're busy. And uh, you have a line of people. You have people that have appointments, and uh, you know, they gotta meet somebody for lunch or whatever it is. They're in the service uh, waiting lounge, and uh, so if someone goes through a, a lot of, let me see the car, let me go in the shop, uh, let me talk to the mechanic, you're slowing up the process. Well, and it should you should slow it up because it's your car and it's your money. But I'm just trying to tell you the psychology of people are trying to move things along too quickly. And you should dig your foot in and say, I don't care. Yeah. I want to talk well, to the technician. Yeah, well, you know, it's up to the customer too, and to yeah. take on the responsibility to find out whether or not uh, they're, they're booking an appointment, yeah. you know, to have their car looked at at an extremely busy time, or um, they can put a special PS, uh, listen, uh, when you book my appointment, I'd like to talk to the mechanic, get things straightened out, because I don't quite understand what's wrong with my car. I'm not talking about slowing process down or making things difficult for the dealership or for the mechanic, but just to have an understanding of where your dollars are going. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, 877 960 or you can text us at 772-497- Six five three zero, and we do have a caller, uh, and uh, I can't see the computer. <laughs> Hello, caller. What's your Andrea. name? Let's wing it. <laughs> oh, we got a call from Good Minnesota. Morning. This is Andrea. And Andrea from Minnesota. Yes. Oh, welcome to the show. Thank you. Are you a first-time caller? I am. Oh, how wonderful. I have $50 for you this morning as a first-time caller. If you stay on the line and give your information to the control room, Mike's right there and he's waiting. And I can get that awesome. check out Thank to you. you. How can we help Thank you today, you. Andrea? Yes, so I plan on purchasing a new vehicle in the next couple of months. And my plan is to um, shoot out a bunch of emails to my local dealership because um, I'm not the best negotiator. <laughs> And my question is, um, would it be better to include my lowball offer in my initial email or wait for them to um, shoot me their quote first? I, th I think you're better off to let them give you their quote first. I think these, the psychology, once you make an offer, then you've kind of uh, triggered uh, the hassle-haggle process. And I think to make it clear, that what you're doing, and don't keep it a secret, that you're getting uh, prices from other dealers. And if you're buying a Chevrolet, 
Uh, you can tell them up front, the first Chevrolet dealer you go online with, you say, I'm getting bids from, and you could even name the dealerships, you know, uh, Charles Chevrolet, Bill Chevrolet, and Tony Chevrolet. And uh, I'm going to be getting the lowest out the door price. That's the price I can write that you would check for and drive the car home. You give me your best out the door price, and I'll get two others. If yours is lowest, I'll buy the vehicle from you. It kind of puts the pressure on them because they know that if they give you too high a price, they'll never hear from you again. Um, also, um, you know, I think that the uh, safest place is the internet when it comes to purchasing a vehicle, and uh, they really don't know uh, whether who you are, uh, male, female, uh, whatever. And uh, I think that it gives you a, a whole lot of leverage uh, being right there and communicating back and forth. Okay. Well, that's not how that goes, Andrea. It's, you'll find some dealers that will not give you a price and they'll try to lure you in, and then you just cut them off. You just don't call them you don't you don't email them back uh, remember you're sitting at your computer using your smartphone you could talk to half a dozen or a dozen or even more dealers that are sellers of the vehicle you want to buy and so the ones that don't respond the ones that will not respond just check them off your list you'll get if you're persistent and it shouldn't take too long more than probably half hour 45 minutes you should be able to get at least three responses. If you get three responses with an out-the-door price, take the lowest one, and I promise you it will be a very good price. Okay. Also, another advantage is for you when you, you're just not in a rush and yet you do have the time uh, to really look up the history of each one of the three choices that you make and whatever the best choice is for you, learn a whole lot about it. Right. Thank you so much for the call. Yes, thank you guys. We appreciate stay, it. Stay on the line. We'll get your contact information, Andre, and get you 50 bucks in the mail. All right. Call again, please. Thank you. Bye You're bye. welcome. Doing yeah. what you said is probably the easiest way to weed out a bad dealer because if a dealer won't even respond or send you a price, it might be their policy not to send out a price. Sure. I could just strike them off the list because that means there's a whole lot of other behaviors and tactics that they're likely to use. Sure. So that's that's the easiest way to weed out a bad dealer. Yeah, it's uh, difficult sometimes to be forceful and direct with uh, people. People are polite people, nice people, but when you're buying a car, you really have to arm yourself. You have to be a little forceful. So you make it clear when you're buying online or either telephone or email, you make it clear that I need your best out-the-door price. And be specific. If you don't, if you're not specific on the year-make model car with uh, accessories that you want, then you open the dia dialogue thing and it becomes a negotiation. Uh, you tell them you want a white, uh, you want a, a 2020 Honda Accord with these accessories and uh, this color interior, and uh, you might even have the MSRP. You just give them the specifics on that vehicle and say, give me your best out the line, out the door price, and I will buy the car from you. If it's the lowest, I'm going to two other Honda dealers. And uh, you'd be surprised how well that works. The world is going online now, especially during this pandemic thing. People are buying more and more things online than they ever did before, even automobiles. And so it's not a big surprise. We, it would have been harder 
10 years ago. 10 years ago, you tried to do this, uh, probably half the dealers wouldn't give you a price. Today, in the pandemic situation, you'll probably find 90% of the dealers yeah. will. But you have to word it properly. You have to be careful. You have to be forceful. That's right. Uh, Sharon on Facebook uh, has a, a question I'm sure millions of people are asking, because I think you asked the same question. Uh, what's the point of the stop and hold button on the center console? And I'll tell you, it's... Uh, you probably won't ever use it, but basically if you're at a light or something, you push it, it's kind of like putting your car in, in park, right? And, um, and you disengage it by hitting the gas or turning it off. Um, I'll occasionally use it um, if I'm at a bridge, you know, I catch the bridge or something. Rick probably has uh, some more info on that. What's the purpose is to save gas. No, no, no. We're not talking about the start-stop technology. The engine oh. keeps running. It's like a hold button. I think yours says hold. Yeah. Uh, mine says hold too, and you push it, and you can take your foot off the brake. The car stays oh, okay, stationary. Okay, okay. Right. A lot of cars actually have it where if you get your foot on the brake, and you push down extra hard yeah. while you're sitting it'll still, do the same thing. It'll beep, and a light will illuminate, and it will hold the brakes even when you let off. Yeah. And the main reason for that is mountain driving uh, or stopped on a slope, yeah. waiting for bridge, whatever. If you're kind of at a bit of an angle where your car might roll back between the time when you take your foot off the brake to step on the gas, it holds it there. It holds your car still, and then when you step on the gas, it will release it and let you drive forwards. There you go, Sharon. Simple, simple answer to a great question. Uh, Steve on Facebook has a war story for us. Uh, he said he had an extended talk with a service rider at a Honda dealership. He insisted on knowing what a small dollar what a small dollar amount on the bill was. After multiple trips back to the shop, the service writer told me it was automatic transmission fluid. Uh, this led to my next question: Where did you put the automatic transmission fluid into my manual transmission car? <laughs> uh, that's a great story. You're probably referring to the uh, dealer fee in the service department, the miscellaneous supply. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The, the uh, environmental charges. Okay, we are going to go to Howard, who's holding, and Howard is a regular caller from Jupiter. Good morning, Howard. Good morning. I uh, hope everybody's good. Hey, good. Howard. And, uh, stay, stay safe, guys, and uh, it's a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. Uh, my question is um, for Rick. Um, everybody does maintenance on cars, but uh, they, they forget to lubricate the latches. And, um, I'll give you an example. Um I've had my car since 2017, early 2017, actually late 2016. Never done anything with the hood latch. Uh, I took a look at it. It's rusted. It's cruddy. And uh, my question is, what do I use to lubricate the hood latch? Uh, years ago when I, uh, I was sort of a tech, and I used to grease cars. I used to uh, shoot a little grease into the hood latch, swish it around, and that did the job. But... Uh, what do you suggest uh, doing uh, to lubricate the hood latch? A spray can of white lithium grease. Just a little light spritz right on it. White That's great. Where do, you, where do you get that? In Home Depot? Auto parts stores. Home Depot carries it. But auto parts stores are the best place. It's just simple white lithium grease. What is lithium? I, I know what lithium is. It's one of the elements. It's, uh, the it's Lithium is one of the major ingredients in that grease. Huh? Huh. And it's a... It sprays on, gives a little bit of a white color coating, and it's a very good lubricant that will stay in place, and it doesn't really attract a whole lot of dirt to it, so it won't get all grimy and cruddy over time, 
but it then can be washed away easily at the car wash and reapplied when you need to. Sounds powerful. Mm. Uh, I can use three-in-one oil. That won't do the trick. That'll That's what work. I did, but I, yeah. it'll, it'll work, but it won't stay in place very well, whereas the white lithium grease will keep a coating on there, and it'll also help prevent oxidation. Okay. Now, another thing for you, Rick, is a good question. Um, when I, I'm, in, I'm in New York now, and when I was driving up, I had my uh, remote, you know, car remote, uh, I had one in my pocket and one packed in, in the car. And uh, every time I tried to get in the car, I had a problem. And uh, I assume this is because I have two remotes in the car at one time. So my question to you is, uh, the next time I come, when I come down to Florida in, in October uh, or November, whatever it is, uh, how can I protect, could, could I put a covering like uh, over one of the remotes so it doesn't interfere? Huh. Wrap it in tinfoil. Ah. About five or six layers of tinfoil. Really? Cool. Yeah. You know, that, that was causing all kinds of problems. The car didn't open. Once it opened, then it made funny noises. And I, and I assumed, you know, I, uh, I assumed that's because I had the two remotes in the car at the same time. So uh, that's what happened. Uh, okay. Uh, thank you very much, and I appreciate your uh, input. And as usual, you guys do a great job. Thanks, Howard. Thank we you, Howard. It. We also appreciate you. Give us a call toll-free at 877-960-9960, or you can text us at 772-497-6530. And don't forget, www.youranonymousfeedback.com. And, ladies, I have one more, well, $50 bill right here sitting right on the desk waiting for you to give me a call. You can win it if you're a first-time caller. Now back to Stu. Rick. Oh, no, we got Rick. <laughs> uh, Mark Ryan is asking, and Mark's in, I believe, Indiana. Uh, during the summer, the radiator on our vehicles become a vast insect graveyard. Oh, we get that here. What's the best method to clean off the bugs, and are there any concerns with spraying water into this area of the vehicle? I'd recommend the high-pressure guns at the car wash, but keep it at least a foot away. You don't want to take a chance on damaging those soft aluminum fins on the radiator and having them fold over because you won't get airflow through it. It's better to use that, wash away as much of the bugs as you can, and just let the rest of it work its way off by itself. Is there anything you can put on the radiator ahead of time that will reduce the amount of bugs it collects or they slide off? Really not. There's. I've seen folks have tried like Pam cooking spray on the front of their car uh -huh. for driving through when we have love bug season. Uh -huh. And it just makes a horrible mess, and it really doesn't work. Makes sense, yeah. But it is good to get those washed off very quickly. Yeah, yeah. And I've got Wayne asking, I've watched a video that claims the new AC refrigerant R1234YF is very expensive and flammable. And... First, yes, this is a new to uh, we used to have R12 back in the day. Now it's R134. Oh, 134. Now the newest one is the 1234 YF. Oh. Huh. oh, yeah. They just keep changing it. Yeah, but everybody said it'll be 12345. Maybe. Yeah. There you go. And this new stuff is well over $100 a pound. It is super expensive. Ooh. 
The newest cars the last two or three years are using the new chemical. It is mildly flammable according to the internet, mm -hmm. but it's been proven to be safe in automobiles because in order for it to have enough concentration of it in the air, you'd really have to work to try to get it concentrated enough with the oxygen to get the right mixture that it would actually burn. I sure hope they're right about that. I, mm. I'd hate to be... Uh, you know, I, I, I can't... Uh, I'm going to change uh, subjects here, but I can't go another moment without mentioning John from Palm City. John uh, 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 agrees with me, uh, without a doubt. Uh, but uh, I, wanted to, I wanted to thank you for the, the bit of trivia that you had shared with me on uh, Elizabeth Taylor and how her the color of her car uh, came about. And it matched her wedding dress, and uh, Eddie Fisher uh, tended to that. But uh, I not, hate Eddie Fisher. Not only, uh, well. He took Elizabeth uh, away from you. No, no, Debbie Reynolds. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was in love with Debbie Reynolds, and Eddie divorced her for Elizabeth. Yeah. We, we don't want to <laughs> Oh, but I digress. We, we don't want to go there. <laughs> uh, but uh, at any rate, uh, John, uh, what a fabulous job you do in uh, making sure that we have information uh, coming into the dealership just recently and what you did with the 1937 uh, Pontiac. I mean, uh, your, your eye for detail. Uh, this, this was extremely important. That uh, car means a lot to the Stewart family. And uh, you, you come into the dealership and it's like you own the place and you keep us up to date on everything and anything. And uh, thank you for the trivia. And so uh, there were so many things that John had shared with us uh, this week that uh, maybe uh, maybe Earl can elaborate on it. Do you have anything to add to this? Well, just the fact that we have, you were able to diagnose the repair on a 1937 vehicle, and uh, we're pretty sure you're accurate. Uh, Rick got involved in that, and we uh, you even gave us the suppliers the uh, handle on the 1937 Pontiac, which is on the showroom floor of our dealership, which was literally, actually, the first car my father sold when he started a business in February 1937 in uh, West Palm Beach. And uh, that was the first car we bought back from the original owner. So it's very important to us. It's, uh, it's yeah, uh, like a absolutely. legacy. And, and uh, the handle was loose, and I don't think anybody really figured out what was wrong. And uh, John was able to come up with a diagnosis. We're pretty sure he's accurate. Yeah, yeah. I think he talked about a spring clip. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And also, John... Uh, thank you uh, for sharing my love for the 1968 Barracuda. Uh, you, you really made me feel good, uh, you know, that the information was just as important as the uh, Elizabeth Taylor's uh, Rolls-Royce. So uh, you're, you're a real stand-up guy, and I thank you for being part of the show every week. Uh, we are going to go to Frank. Uh, Frank's been holding, and uh, he calls us from Jupiter Farms. Good, Good morning, morning, Frank. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> oh, sorry about that. I'm my throat's quiet this morning. Got a question. Um, do you guys work on Mercedes-Benz in your shop? Well, we, we do, and, uh, and we are not, you know, we don't have the diagnostic equipment that a Mercedes dealer uh, does. We would have the, uh, for routine repairs, uh, and also there could be an issue with parts. But... Uh, yeah, any any competent uh, technician can work on any make car, but when you get into uh, something that is, uh, let's say, uh, high tech, uh, usually there's some diagnostic equipment that you don't have, and if you have to have part replacement, 
uh, you have the delay because a Mercedes dealer will have the part in probably an inventory. We'd have to buy the part from the Mercedes dealer. So, Rick, uh, did I get that right? Yeah, right on base. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's for like the front end parts. I um, had taken my um, 2012 350, E350 up to place into to for tires. Uh-huh. And six months later, the inside worn out. So I'm sure it's like some sort of front end parts, like full joints, or and I just. Uh, well, we'll take a look at it. Was two hundred fifty dollars just to give you a quote. They yeah. they they won't even give you a quote for repair unless you pay them two fifty. Yeah, you uh, can bring it in, Frank and uh, Rick. If he's there, he'll take a look at it for you. And we're not going to charge you for diagnosis. It might be something that would be better handled by a Mercedes dealer. But if it's not, we'll give you the uh, what the uh, fair price is in our opinion. So. Yeah, glad to take a look at it. Appreciate that. And I see you got some new cars coming in. Is Frenza or something that's coming back? Venza or whatever? The Venza. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah we're on. Uh, yeah, we're looking forward to that. Yeah, we should see it in the uh, next couple of months. Yeah. Sounds great. Well, you all have a good day. I'm sorry my voice is so cracked. No problem, Frank. It was great hearing from you, Frank. Thanks for tuning in again, as you always do every weekend. Uh, 877-960-9960. Text us, 772-497-6530. I haven't heard anything from your anonymous feedback. Remember, www.youranonymousfeedback.com. we got quite a few of those on deck. I'll get to them in a second. Um, Anne-Marie texted us, and before I read her text, um, I, just got a, I got a laugh out of her text last week. It came in uh, at the end of our mystery shopping report. She was grading in Napleton, uh, North Palm Hyundai. She said, Big Fat F, these guys are lower than a snake's belly in Death, in death Valley. So, <laughs> right, on, right on spot, right on target. Uh, she says, good morning. I hope everyone is safe and well. I have a couple of questions. Number one. I haven't driven much since the pandemic started. Consequently, I refuel once a month when the gauge shows my fuel is down to half or a quarter. Mm, me too. Uh, could this cause problems in the future? And two is a more general question. The gas cap needs to be tight- tightened until it clicks once. Other cars I've owned requires three clicks. Why? Great questions. Uh, I think these are Rick Kearney questions. Yeah. Rick, what do you say? Why do you have to make it click three times in some cars and one time in another car? Different design to the gas cap. Some of them have just a threaded design where it just goes normal threads in. Others have two little ears that will lock into place and only need one click. Okay. Yeah, yeah my little observation there is, uh, is I don't like that whole idea of uh, having to tighten the gas cap forcefully, and uh, especially for older people. Uh, uh, for you young engineers out there designing these gas caps, when you get to be 75, 80 years old, and don't say you shouldn't be driving when you're 75 or 80, I don't want to hear that. <laughs> if I can pass a driving test, I'm gonna drive. And, uh, but why don't you take into consideration people that don't have powerful grips? There should be an easy way to put the gas cap on, and it would eliminate a lot of aggravation. Sure, they've, they've, they've accomplished that with a lot of like, uh, you know, the pills, they've, they have those childproof caps, but they're available in most cases with uh, an easier open. Well, make them sock, make them yeah. standard on Well, That's why the new design now has those two ears. Okay. So instead of turning threads and trying to compress down an O-ring uh-huh. that needs to three or four clicks or more, one click because those ears lock into place. Uh-huh. Yeah. And that's why you only need yeah. one click on the new ones. And they're much easier to install and get it in securely. Yeah. How about, how about a oh. gas cap that will just pop on and automatically seal completely 
without having to even worry about it. I mean, like a magnetic thing that would just suck it in and it would be locked. That'd be a good trick. Yeah, thank you. I'll patent I, that. I, I, was, I don't know whether you heard me or not, but I was laughing at what you said because this is one of our many funny moments uh, that you and I have. And when you're getting gas, um, one of these times I'm going to video it uh, because it is, it is a serious problem, like yeah, you said. Yeah. You know, But uh, most people haven't witnessed you out there with the hammer and yeah. chisel. And getting I, hope that they I hope they haven't heard <laughs> me either, man. <laughs> well, the verbal part is very much interesting. <laughs> we are going to go to John, the star of the show from Palm City. Good morning, John. Good morning to everyone. I heard my name mentioned. Several I'm just times. heading now at 12 o'clock. I'm going to go to my local Pontiac dealer. They promised to take a trade-in on my Barracuda. <laughs> but anyhow, I've been listening to the show for a long time, and it's nothing but good things, especially Consumers Report, uh, all good things mentioned. But I never heard one of the most important things that everybody should be a member, especially a female, if she takes a car and she drives alone. It's the nonprofit club of AAA, $58 a year, $31 for your spouse. It's fantastic. I mean, there's so much good involved besides recommended um, service places that you go to get your car done, recommended uh, hotels when you travel. It's actually the largest leisure travel agent in the United States. And um, I, I thought about this when a couple of weeks ago, a guy called in and his car doesn't run, so he had to get towed in. Well, if AAA picks up the car, They'll only send it to an AA-recommended service station, and it's pretty strict on that because if they do get complaints, that service station will be taken off their recommended list, just mm -hmm. like the same way with their hotels that they recommend. And uh, also, AAA, you have insurance, you have savings, you have loans with them, and it's strictly been around forever, nonprofit, and I can't say enough positive to join it's important and uh towing uh you can you can even pay extra and have your car towed over 100 miles but anybody that's going on the road <clears throat> or gets in their car uh, the latest thing they have now is severe weather alerts that'll for no, for no charge they'll alert you on your cell phone especially when you're traveling so it's all good information yeah. and it's a great organization and I'm just surprised that it hasn't been mentioned in the past because it's a wonderful thing. It is, absolutely, John. Yeah. Can and I jump in there for just a second? One thing that you mentioned that is, uh, in terms of a service department recommended by AAA, AAA is the only organization that uh, requires the dealers and the service departments not to charge a dealer fee in the service department. I call it that. Uh, they, when you buy, uh, when you have repair work done, they charge you uh, a fee, 5% or 10% of the amount of the bill, and they make up a name like hazardous waste disposal, miscellaneous, sundry supplies. They're very creative. And it can be uh, any amount from, it's usually relatively small compared to a dealer fee, 5 10 $15. But it's a ripoff. 
AAA does not allow that. And so if you're a AAA approved dealer, they cannot charge you that hidden fee. And I promise you, if you're getting your car repaired, you're, you're paying that hidden fee. You just don't know you're paying it. So uh, I'm sorry to interrupt you, Nancy. Go ahead. Great information. Yeah. It truly is. And you know what, John? Um, all three of my daughters, um, AAA, they wouldn't be without it. Uh, they have always been signed up. Uh, and I'm, I'm surprised, like you said, that it isn't talked about more often because Absolutely. it's a safe place. It, it's, it's, you feel safe. Yes, 100%. Especially, God forbid, you break down on I-95 and you can be ensured that they're going to come take your car safely away and you don't have to fool around with anything, you know, whatever. Anybody that attempts today to change their own tire is out of their mind especially on any road, how dangerous it is. True. And there are some cars like SUVs that you have to wind up getting the spare. It's not even in an easy spot to get at. So it's a wonderful organization. I've been in over 50 years, and I recommend that everybody be a member. Yeah, everybody should talk about it, and everyone should be a member. Okay, well, you guys have a good day, and I'm going to see what my training is going to be. I hope it's good on a Barracuda. <laughs> Thank you, John. Good luck. Thank you so much, John. Say hello to Irene. 877-960-9960, or you can text us at 772-497-6530. We have a great mystery shopping report coming up, so stay tuned for that. Uh, let's get back to the um, uh, first question of Van Marie's. I don't think we answered it. She says uh, she's only filling it up very rarely because she's on lockdown with the pandemic. She just wants to know if it can cause problems with her um, with her car in the future. No, it's very unlikely. Modern gasoline can sit in your tank for a couple of months and it'll be in good shape, even six to eight months. Okay. Um, jumping over to anonymous feedback. Uh, I think this was from Andrea, who called from Minnesota. She had a question about should she give her initial offer, but um, it's almost identical. So we've answered the question about should you, uh, you know, show your cards, so to speak, um, when you're first trying to get an out-the-door price from the dealers. So we covered that. Uh, the next one is in response to our show last week uh, when we had uh, Mark from uh, Off Lease Only. We interviewed him over the air, and we put out a video out on Facebook, too, which is getting a, a, a lot of attention. Um, this anonymous commenter says, Offlease only is worried about unethical fees charged by other dealers. They buy every frame-damaged car they can get their greedy hands on, and they are complaining about unethical dealer fees. Mark Fisher is a joke, and Offlease only thrives solely because of consumer ignorance. Well, that clearly, came from, that clearly came from a car dealer uh, who was behind the times. And uh, frame damage is the tip-off to the fact that you don't understand what off-lease only does. Uh, frames of cars, and Rick, you jump in here and correct me because this is not my field, but frames used to be, uh, they used to be a, a metal frame that the body was put on and, and they, they call that the frame and you had a problem, you have to weld the frame together and, and that was the way cars used to be built. And then they came up to the unibody where the body itself uh, serves as the frame. It's not no longer metal beams that have to. If you if you had an old-fashioned car, and you were in an accident like our '37 Pontiac, or you know even up into when did they go to Unibody? The '60s or '70s or '80s? Started mainly in the '70s. They started yeah. going to Unibody on a lot of cars. So now they're all Unibody. And the if it was an old-style frame, and you were in an accident, there was frame damage, then you were 
probably driving an unsafe car if they didn't do the job right and uh, they just replaced the fender and the frame was bent. You've seen these cars going down the road, some of their older cars look like they're going sideways, but they're off to tilted. Those could be frame damage cars. Dog tracking, we call yeah. that. Mm -hmm. So what happened is the uh, auctions and the car dealers and the wholesale game about what is a car worth was designed around frame damage. Mm -hmm. You saw the word frame damage, immediately they cut the value of the car by thousands of dollars. They go through the auctions, the car dealers did it to themselves. And Mark Fisher, off-lease only, he suddenly realized one day that he could buy a car that had technically frame damage, which wasn't really frame damage, it was unibody damage. He could buy it for $2,000 less than uh, any other car. He could disclose it and sell it for $2,000 less and sell a whole bunch of cars. So. Uh, this texter that said that he's a lousy thief and he's buying bad cars, uh, off-lease only, they are selling you, and I'm not saying every car off-lease only sells is safe. I'm saying the ones that they buy that have nothing but cosmetic damage from a unibody that was repaired properly can still test out as being a completely safe car. That's my answer. Yep. Uh, another anonymous uh, feedback says, Hey, I have a very important question. I really hope and pray you answer for me. Um, I love your videos and I'm subscribed. Um, I have a lease for 48 months on a Lexus RX 350. Uh, it's, it's a 2017 for 10,000 miles a year. It's been almost four years and I paid $750 a month for it. Love the car. Unfortunately, I had two big accidents in the car, which wasn't my fault, and they've been fully repaired. My mileage is now 80,000 is 80,000 miles. Uh, it's double of what he's supposed to be ha have on um, on the car. His Ooh. question: Should I pay off the car, which is thirty-three thousand dollars, or pay only the penalty, which is about twelve thousand dollars? Um, or maybe I can negotiate the payoff. My worry is, is the car has lost a lot of value with these two accidents I had. Thanks in advance. Boy, uh, there's a. There's a line from an old movie, uh, Trains, Planes, and Automobiles, where, where uh, Steve is talking to the, ga the gal at the rental car company, <laughs> and she says something to him that I can't repeat on the air. But, yeah, you got a problem. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, the, the irony is the damage to the car, if it's repaired properly, uh, uh, would not affect you if you allowed it to go back to the leasing company uh, but if you bought the car, it would work against you because any car that's been in an accident because of the psychological thing that we just talked about from an earlier texter, that it had frame damage or serious damage. So uh, the mileage is the thing that really concerns me. Uh, the cost, I'm not sure what they're charging you per mile. You, you got a good low rate because you took a low mileage lease, 10000 miles per year is a, is well under the average driving person. The person that bought that should have known in advance and he should, should have been one a low mileage driver and then you can save money on the monthly payments. But what you weren't probably told this, you're a high mileage driver and now $7,000 in over mileage charge. 12. Uh, 12,000. Okay, so you're, you're, you're caught between a rock and a hard place. You're going to have to make a very unpleasant decision. Is the $12,000 mileage fee better than the cost of buying the car and trying to unload it? Uh, probably it is, I, uh, but I don't know. It is a Lexus. So what you have to do is get a, 
a bid from three Lexus dealers, and you could take, even though it's still being leased, you could go to a Lexus dealer, and you could check with buyanycar.com, you could check with Carvana, you could take it to any automation store. Uh, cars are in, used cars are in low supply, high demand today. Yeah. So you get a, a good price on a Lexus, but it's going to be gigged heavily because of the damage. Yeah, now would be the time. I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah. You're, you're, you're in luck in there. I mean, the, the used car market the prices so, are soaring. So you might, you might get lucky and maybe uh, you take a $6,000 hit uh, for, uh, uh, you know, the, for the uh, depreciation because of the accident. Uh, and you uh, also, but you're better than a $12,000 hit for the over mileage charge. But I'm very, very sorry. Yeah. That you have that's right. a terrible problem. You, you have uh, two bad choices, but yeah. one will be better. It might not be a lot better, but it's uh, yeah. got to go with the lowest out exactly, of pocket. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, more anonymous feedback. Uh, run away and never look back. Lebanon cars can potentially be hard to insure. AAA won't do it. And also keep in mind that it's probably not a car you'd want to own when the factory warranty expires. Uh, I guess the, he's talking about cars that have gone through the Lemon Law process. Uh, so then what? Is it your forever car? Because if it's not, then good luck trying to sell a car with a branded title. So and you buy a lemon car, yeah. and uh, yeah, that's, uh, uh, that is one of the things that you do because you won't save a ton of money, and if you can't save a ton of money, uh, then you're going to pay the piper when you have to get rid of the car. So uh, I would uh, be very careful before I bought a car that was sold yeah. as a lemon. Exactly what you save up front is going to cost you in the, in the long run. Yeah. Ricky, you got any YouTubes over there? I do have a couple. Uh, Justin Thomas is asking, when I call a dealership for an appointment, should I ask for a salesperson who has been at that dealership for more than a couple of years? I was told those salespeople can get me bigger discounts. Hmm. Uh, that's not true. Uh, the... Uh, <clears throat> You should you should choose a salesperson that you feel comfortable with. Uh, I would not, when I call the dealership for an appointment, I, I might ask uh, I might ask for a salesperson that had more experience, not because he's going to give you a bigger discount, but because he's going to know the product better, and he's going to uh, in the have, process. Yeah, he's not a. Uh, I started to say he's not a thief, but it depends on who he's working you for. Don't know. But. Uh, if, if, if you get an experienced uh, car salesperson that's been there for several years, it'll go quicker. You're probably better off, uh, but uh, it isn't going to work for the discount. It's uh, a, a young salesperson, new, uh, he's just going to take up a lot of your time. And in fact, our mystery shopping report uh, this afternoon has to do with a very young, uh, inexperienced salesperson. You'll see what we mean. I got a really good one here for you. Um, from a dealer um, on anonymous feedback says this is owner of a buy here pay here uh, that's who's texting us uh, and he has to agree with you uh, what you said on your YouTube video on buy here pay here financing how can you throw all BHPH in the same category we've been in business for 27 years sell quality cars with 15% interest monthly payments of $300 and less I think we do a better job taking care of our customers than most new cars dealerships. Dealerships. <laughs> Again, you are wrong in calling all buy here, pay here the same. Well, I'm sorry if I came across that way. I definitely do not feel that way. Uh, matter of fact, we uh, we uh, ranked uh, easy buy 
Is that Easy Buy? Uh, Sue and uh, uh, yeah, Easy Pay. Easy or Pay or Easy Own. I'm not, I'm not sure. Yeah, it's do. Bill Wallace's store and uh, Stewart uh, Buy Here Pay Here. We gave them a very high rating of integrity. Uh, I don't uh, think all Buy Here Pay Here. Buy Here. In fact, if you don't know what it is, Buy Here Pay Here are usually smaller dealership lots, used cars that uh, handle their own financing, and it can be weekly or bi-monthly. Uh, and uh, they carry the paper, as we say, they do the financing, and they will finance people with bad credit. Uh, they have a very strict policy that if you miss a payment, uh, they re repossess the car quickly. Uh, but there are people of great integrity. Last time I checked, Beach Cars was one of them. Yeah. Beach and you've cars. Said all, uh, for, for years you've said there's a, um, there's a need for that in the community. There are exactly. some car, you have to have a car, especially in, in exactly. Florida. Yeah. And that's the only place that many people can. And yeah. there's a lot of family owned by here, payers yeah. that are, are ethical. If you have really, really bad credit and you have to use a buyer payer, do some investigation, check uh, ratings, uh, check with customer testimonials, uh, if you if, if they have the moral character uh, and you have to deal with them, uh, then as Stu said, it's a, it's a necessary choice. You might have to pay 18 or 20 percent interest on the car, but you should also be sure that wherever you buy it, they report your payments to the credit union. Because if you make all your payments, you can build your credit back up where you don't have to use subprime financing and it costs your fortune and interest. Uh, but yeah. I, uh, I'm sorry that I came across is painting all buy here, pay here lots with the same brush. There are good ones and there are bad ones. Mm -hmm. Okay. You got one over there? Dom's mom is asking, <laughs> looking at a year-old car, one-year-old, that is not a certified pre-owned, before any used vehicle goes on sale, does it automatically go through the process of qualifying for certified pre-owned before it goes on sale, or not always? And am I able to purchase the manufacturer's warranty after purchasing the car? Well, you, you can't buy a manufacturer's warranty directly. You have to buy it through the it's certified warranty as a manufacturer's warranty. Yes. And it goes through the dealer. But that's just the powertrain. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, yeah, they don't automatically, uh, I mean, there's criteria that they that apply years and miles for a certified car, uh, but it's the dealer's choice if they choose to put it through that process. You could have a car that is certifiable, and I don't mean crazy, I just mean it, can, it meets, meets the criteria, and the dealer um, might, for a, a number of reasons, decide not to certify it. Yeah. For example, it might be very close to the end of the, uh, cert of, of the mileage uh, limitation, in which case buying the certified car, you might have a day left on that extra warranty um, because it was such a older, an old car or a higher mileage car. Um, a, a good dealer would do that. Um, or they just don't believe in the program and they figure they can make more money by not fixing all the things that if you're buying a good it. car if you're buying a honda you're buying a uh you know a toyota you're buying a subaru uh, subaru yep. uh and, it, and, and you've got a good reliability report from consumer reports uh you're better off to buy it without the certification mm -hmm. as long as they've done the check that they would have to do to certify it why pay the extra money for the warranty if you don't need it but it is a security blanket. It is a peace of mind thing, certified car. But uh, if you feel better about it, they charge you more for a certified car. And if they've done the checklist, you know, you're, you're just buying a warranty. Plus, the, the car is going to be inspected anyways in the shop for general safety purposes, yeah, the tires, yeah. the yeah. brakes, yeah. make sure everything else is in good condition. Yeah. And if the car is only one years old, it's still got the original factory warranty on yeah. it 
that is remaining. So yeah. that factory warranty doesn't run out. It's still there. Exactly. Let's jump over to some texts. Uh, this is from Jessica. It says, good morning. It's Jessica from Sebring. This one's for Nancy. I have a 2008 Hyundai, Hyundai Veracruz, and I've had it for two years now. Of course, it's out of warranty, but I keep seeing those commercials advertising extended warranty. Yeah, Car Shield. I've seen those. Because, uh, because your car is sure to break down, they say. I do regular maintenance and kind of baby my vehicle. Uh, should I spend money on warranty, Nancy? Well, thanks for the question, uh, Jessica, and it's a good question. Uh, I'm telling you, you see all of these ads on TV and you receive mailers, and it really makes me a little bit nervous because an extended warranty, uh, you're going to pay so much more for that than you would a repair on your vehicle. And boy, I'll tell you what, uh, there is a lot of uh, warranty companies out there. Uh, they're in the business to make money, for sure. And uh, it can cost you anything from, oh gosh, uh, I'm, I'm going to say uh, $300 to $1,500. And uh, is that, would you say that's a fair? Higher, even higher. I mean, you can pay, you can pay several thousand dollars. I mean, two thousand dollars. If uh, you you know you get a hold of the wrong company, and the repair that you might need on your vehicle, at the most it might cost you, you know, a hundred and eighty dollars, unless you're replacing the engine or the transmission and uh, I'm being a, a, a little funny there but uh, I'd stay away from the extended uh, warranties yeah they have the celebrities that's a, the newest trend right now there's ice tea the rapper and actor uh, pushing the uh, uh, car shield and I what it amuses me is because we're in the car business you know these are insurance policies they've been sold for years and years and years decades and it's being presented like an, a brand new idea <laughs> wow, there's a company that could save you thousands of dollars. Just remember, they're selling insurance, and then you got to yeah, judge it on that. And Jessica, you're doing all the right things by taking care of your car. Uh, there are a lot of people who uh, really don't uh, do the maintenance on their vehicle and uh, more or less uh, baby it. So you're protecting yourself. Thanks for the question, Jessica. And thank you for listening to Earl Stewart on Cars. Great. Uh, Kyle is texting us. He says, good morning, everyone. I hope everyone is healthy. I was wondering how Toyota pays dealers to do maintenance under the Toyota Care and recalls. Uh, does the dealer make a good rate for that work? Um, is it better, worse, or the same what a customer would pay for similar work? Thanks. Um, the, the two parts to that question, one is Toyota Care and the other is recalls. Um, Toyota Care, um, they, it doesn't pay as well as a, as a customer pay. It's a, it's a little bit less, so t dealers will make less money. Um, it's, it was first initiated after the big Toyota recall crisis of 2009-2010, and um, it was a way to, for retention to get people to come back to the, uh, to the dealers that they bought the car, well, come, come back to the brand. And so... Um, well, that's, a seri you know, yeah. that's serious. You can yeah. say that twice, because when a car dealer feels like he's getting screwed by the manufacturer, underpaid, yeah. uh, then uh, it's not a good thing. You, right. you want a technician to feel like he's... A, being, being paid, you want the dealership to feel like they're being yeah. paid, and Toyota yeah. and a lot of the other manufacturers, when they have the free maintenance, right. they pay a lesser yeah. amount than than it would be fair to the technician right. or fair to the dealer. Yeah, the, but the argument that they that they make is, yes, you're making less money, but now they're coming back to your dealership and they're more likely to come and do the repairs. So that was how it was sold. So you can uh, upsell them. Uh, exactly right. Um, the next part is on recalls, and that's warranty work, and that actually. Um, 
pays pretty well, but it depends on how the dealer works the relationship with the manufacturer. So the dealer actually gets to uh, uh, negotiate their warranty uh, rate from the manufacturer. And um, some dealers get paid for the same work uh, less than the dealer down the street uh, based on his uh, ability to re negotiate his warranty re reimbursement rate. Yeah, well, it's actually a formula. That now they it use. is. Yeah, yeah. Now, well, now it's based on the consumer price index. Yeah, but I don't think it ever was a negotiation. It was a matter of they would come in and audit your repair orders. Well, there was there was a little there was art to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, an art to it. Yeah. Exactly right. Um, we're going to go to Warren. He's been holding, and he calls us from Pompano Beach. Good morning, Warren. Welcome back. Hi, guys. How are you? Hey, right, thank you. Hey, I, I, the reason why I wanted to call is um, I had an extended warranty on my Ford Taurus, and actually I had a good experience, and I'll tell you why. When the original warranty were ran out, I got a letter from Ford saying that they would offer an extended warranty, and I didn't get it from a dealer. I didn't get it from an outside source. I got it directly for them. Now, it wasn't cheap. It was like $2,500, but it covered the car to 125,000 miles, and they said it was interest-free for two years, $100 a month. And because I drive back and forth from Pompano to northern New Jersey, and I might do that two or three times a year, I just felt there was a safety blanket that I didn't want to get stuck in Bubba's garage and, you know, North Carolina or something like that. Because I could take it to any Ford or Lincoln dealer in the country. And one time going down there, coming back from Jersey, uh, something went wrong with the car. And sure enough, I went into a Ford dealer, and they fixed the water pump. And it didn't cost me anything. Now, I don't know at the end of the warranty if I was ahead of the game, behind the game. I really don't, haven't figured that out. It wasn't important to me. I just wanted to let you know that if you get it directly from the manufacturer, Warren, I think are, it can are, be. Are you sure it is from the manufacturer? I, I've never heard yeah, of it. Oh, yeah, I had it before. It was Ford Warranty, uh -huh. sir. Yeah, Ford okay. Warranty, okay. sir. They I had a know, special I, division. Yeah. yeah, Toyota doesn't do that, and I don't know of other... Uh, Manufacturers that solicit warranties. Yeah, well, outside of outside of the southeast, Toyota sells a Toyota extended warranty, but it's not it's not the factory warranty, but it is a branded Toyota product. And they solicit the uh, business. I don't, I don't know how they market yeah. it. Yeah, uh, interesting. I, yeah, I, I mean, I I received you know when I bought the car, they said you want the warranty. They said no, but when I got to the to the end of the manufacturer's warranty, I received a letter from Ford. Ford yeah. I, you know, I called, spoke to a woman in Detroit worked at Ford. It was all, it was called Ford Warranty Extension, blah, 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 blah. Uh -huh. But like I said, it was $2,500. It was $100 a month for two years. So, you know, it wasn't cheap, but it was peace of mind for me. Yeah, and I, I don't know how much that's worth. Yeah, you know, I, your peace of mind is worth something. You know what I'm saying? Yes, that's that's, that's uh, always enough. Definitely. I'd love to see that. Uh, if, you, uh, if you could scan it or fax it, uh, I'd love to see that. I haven't seen a... It was called... I'll, it was called, I'm sorry, it was called Ford ESP. Ford ESP. Yeah. You can look it up uh, online. It yeah. called, and uh, it came directly from the manufacturer. They solicited it through a letter. And like I said, I always felt comfortable because if I went to a strange dealer or something, um, you know, they, they, they fixed it. It was a $200 deductible. I had two things that went on it was the water pump and the air conditioner. Uh -huh. And the air conditioner went on it. And I don't know what was wrong. The guy called me and just said, it's leaking like a sieve. We're going to pull the whole unit and put another yeah. one in. But I didn't care because it's not question. And I don't know what he was, because he's getting you know, back, blah, blah, blah. But I, like I said, it was total peace of mind to me because yeah. I would go back and forth a couple of times a year. Sometimes yeah. even in the dead of winter, I drive back from Florida to northern New Jersey. And I, I, like I said, when you're doing that kind of mileage on a car, 
you don't really want to worry about where you're going to bring it. Yeah, uh, the, dealer, so, the the manufacturer Ford is actually competing with the dealerships. Dealerships sell extended warranties, and they don't like uh, the manufacturers going in competition with them. So, uh, I'm uh, I just uh, I say on the show I learn something new every week, and I just learn something new. So the reason I'm curious to take a look at that, I'll investigate it. And uh, maybe there are other manufacturers that are doing this that I don't know about. But uh, Toyota doesn't contact uh, my customers directly, uh, selling them extended warranties. And I, I'm uh, really a little bit surprised that the Ford dealers let Ford get away with that. Not that it's a bad thing. I mean, I, you're better off to buy the, the, the uh, warranty extended from the manufacturer than the car dealer because you're probably going to get a lot, a lot more legitimate extended warranty. So thanks for telling me something I didn't know. Yeah, I, and it, one more thing I just want to tell you, which happened to me, and, you know, I'm 70 years old, so I, I've seen it all, done it all. Uh, I had a couple cars, leased them, bought them, whatever, whatever you want us to think of. Uh, when I bought this car, it was a Ford Taurus, um, I don't know, I pushed a button on the car, and it's called a child restraint, and my daughter gets in the car, who was about 18 at the time, and she says, will you take the child restraints off? Hmm. And I said, but you couldn't open the windows or... Or the radio, and I couldn't figure out how to do it. And you know, and I, you know, I took it to the dealer, and they said, put the key in, and nothing worked. So finally, they put it into the computer. And it took them about ten minutes, and they fixed it. I come back, and they gave me a hundred and fifty dollar bill. Oh lord! And I was like furious. Hmm. And I said, "Can I speak to the service manager?" She said, "He's not here." <laughs> well, obviously, I paid the bill. And about two days later, I get an email from the dealer, who this is where I bought the car from, uh-huh. down in Florida. He says to me, well, how'd you like the service? And I went through this whole tirade of what they did. Service manager called me. And I said, three people bought, my cousin bought a car there. My uncle bought a car there. And I said, you charged me $150 to fix something that took 10 minutes that shouldn't have been charged anything. So he said, I'll tell you what I'll do. The next two oil changes are on me. <laughs> you know, I said, well, he, he didn't give me the money back. But I said, all right, he, what they did, they, they lived, I went in there, they had it on the computer. So, again, it, you know, sometimes it pays to complain if you feel that something Absolutely. didn't yeah. do right by you. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you're crazy if uh, if you let a mad customer get loose without at least trying to uh, make things right because that uh, mad customer will tell 25 people how bad you are and it will cost you a lot, more the, a lot more money than taking care of him. Yeah, I, I mean, it was just... To, to me, I, they took it in the back. They hooked it up to some gizmos. I had no idea. They came back 10 minutes later. They said, it's all fixed. And then yep. the guy hands me a $150 bill. And I was yeah, like, man. well, what is this? Yeah. You know, and, but I, like I said, he gave me the oil changes over the next two. And I mean, it wasn't going to come out to 150 But whatever. I got, at least I got some satisfaction yeah. out of it. Yeah. It was and a nice it, gesture. You know, a nice gesture, for sure. It was a nice gesture. All right, guys, be safe. Thank you very much. And like I said, it's called Ford, I believe, ESP. If you could look it up. I'll check it, it out. Directly from Ford in Dearborn, Michigan. All right, thank you very much. Thank Thanks, you, Warren. Warren. Have a great weekend. Thanks for sharing that with us. And Warren just totally uh, ruined my image. Of, oh, it didn't ruin my change my image. I go, he sounds like he's 30 years old. <laughs> and he's Warren is 70. You sound great, man. The new 70. Exactly. <laughs> okay. We got any texts? Yeah. Any, yeah. Uh, Jamie is texting us from Massachusetts, wants to know, says, why has it become so difficult to get the out-the-door price? Like, well, that's just became, it's always been pretty well, difficult. Well, you, you, you hit on the core problem of the automobile retail business. It's the only business 
where you don't get an out-the-door price. Think about it. You buy a refrigerator, you buy a loaf of bread, uh, anything you buy, there's the price. Uh, now, there might be a, a few little hidden things, but in general, you don't pay a substantial uh, pr larger, larger price, except for car dealers. So uh, the car dealers, think about it. All Ford dealers sell the exact same product. A Ford Taurus is a Ford Taurus is a Ford Taurus. So if you're going to buy a Ford Taurus, dealer A paid the same price to Ford as dealer B as dealer C. So they all have the same cost. Now you come in to buy the car, and you're all going to pay a different price at each different dealer. If dealer A gives you an out-the-door price, you take that price to dealer B, and he'll beat it probably. And if he doesn't beat it, dealer C will. And if he doesn't beat it, you get my point? Once you have a firm price, and that's a real, your lowest price from a dealer, he is at the mercy, at your mercy, and the other dealers that you're going to shop and compare with. This is your power as a car shopper. Your power is to get that out-the-door price because now you're in control, and that car dealer does not want you to be in control. The car dealer that will trust you enough to give you a real out-the-door price, the price you can write a check for, hand it to the salesman, drive the car home. If, it, if they have the courage to give you that, then you have the power to try to beat the price. And that's the way the free economy should work. That's right. competitiveness. Right. That's and, what, and, yeah. and that method kind of just eliminates all the, kind of all the questions we get about, should I, what should I make on my first offer? What, should yeah. I, what about these fees? Does that feel legitimate? Yeah. If you focus on the bottom line of that yeah. buyer's order, that worksheet. Think about it. Three, three people selling apples on the street, three vendors, uh, and they're all selling Fuji apples. And oh you walk boy. up to the first vendor, and the apple's 25 cents. And you go to the next guy, and you say, how much are your apples? He says, 20 cents. You go to the next guy, he says, they're 40 cents. Where are you going to buy the apple? You don't know. A Fuji apple is a Fuji apple. A Ford Taurus is a Ford Taurus. That is why you have the hassle and the haggle <coughs> and the negotiating nightmare every time you buy a car. Problem is, the guy with the 20-cent apple might have 50 cents in apple fees. <laughs> so you gotta, you gotta yeah. focus on the bottom line apple, apple price. Apple fee, I love it, yeah. Eliminate all the stress, ladies and gentlemen. Go to Earl on Cars and download my famous affidavit. It's called the Out the Door Price. Yeah. That'll secure everything in writing. We're going to, we're going to go out to Bakersfield, California. Ooh. And John is calling us. Welcome to the show, John. Hi there. Hi. Good morning. Thank you. Yes, it is a very early morning, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm always up early. Yeah. Hey, uh, I got a question. So um, I bought a 2018 uh, Toyota RAV4 and it don't have an owner's manual in it, so where would be the best place? I'd like to pick one up that I can thumb through. Where would be the best place to buy that? Do I have to go to the dealer? Or? Yeah, um, well, there's two, a couple of ways you can go. Uh, this is Stu. Um, one, um, you can get them online. I know you want to thumb through it, but you can get the um, all the information is on Toyota.com. And you go to a, a section called Owners, and then you can see Manuals and Guides. So you but can, you can do print that. it out so I can still thumb through it, right? Yeah, you can print it out. You can download it in a, P, in a PDF file and print it from your computer. Um, or you can go to the, uh, uh, the, the dealership and see the parts department, the parts counter, and, and ask. They probably, well, they might have it. So what did you say? It was a 2018. It's possible they have it in stock. Yeah. They, might have to, they might have to order it. 
Um, another thing I would look is also online. I've seen them on eBay. I've seen them on Craigslist, which is kind of a little sketchy. But how about um, Amazon? Are they on Amazon? Um, I've, I've never looked on Amazon, but you know, I would just uh, Google it. Rick probably has a couple of good answers. But if you want information like right now, just go to Toyota.com, go under the owner section, and look uh, search for your vehicle. I found one for okay, a 2017 yeah. Rav on Amazon. Okay, so they're out there. Yeah, start with the internet, and then. Um, but if you want a uh, an actual that the, the booklet version of it, um, uh, probably your best bet is hit the local Toyota dealer. Yep. Yeah, it just uh, to print it out, it seemed like I think it was 777 pages. Oh boy. Or something. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, I, I forget. It was quite a bit. And mm. I'm like, man, I don't know if I want to, you know. Yeah. So uh, that's quite a bit of paper and ink, I guess. It sure is. Sure yeah, it cost you on that ink chip. <laughs> it's a lot of trees. Yeah. <laughs> it, it'd be cheaper yeah. to get one from the Toyota dealer. Exactly. Um, you might be able to yeah, um, call right. them. They might, if you just you'd probably do it, you know, save yourself the trip. Call them up, say, "Hey, I can give them my credit card number on the phone," yep. and they, they they could probably mail it to you. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I just end up going to the Toyota dealer. Okay, hey, uh, I just want to put a shout out for you guys. I really enjoy your show. Um, Thanks. Uh, every time I I listen to it, you know, off and on, probably about every Saturday, <laughs> right. a little bit, but. I just want to give a shout out. I think it's an awesome show, and keep Thank doing you. the good work, man. All right, All right, appreciate it. I love it when we find out people All are actually right. listening Thank to you so the much, show. Spread the word, and uh, and please ask uh, call the show again. We love to hear. The yeah. further away, the happier we are. We we yeah. love the reach. Absolutely. Yeah. Hey, um, just for. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Give us a call again. Uh, uh, for a second here, I'm going to uh, change the uh, subject and talk about um, Cheryl Miller. And uh, in case you don't know who Cheryl Miller is, uh, she was the first female CEO of a publicly traded auto dealership, mm-hmm. Auto Nation. And uh, she has stepped down or been let go uh, or resigned, uh, something the, the details are a little fuzzy. And uh, this is a, a, quite a dilemma uh, that, that, that they have. And Mike Jackson has taken over. And or or will has he taken over or ha, or will he take over? He's, he's already taken over. He was still in the company, but he stepped down yeah. when she assumed the CEO position. Then, when she uh, resigned, uh, he came back and took a uh, position back as CEO. Yeah, uh, there's been a lot of ups and downs about this uh, particular uh, subject, and uh, I, I don't know. You'd think that uh, Mike Jackson would have a a better plan uh, than than he has right now. So uh, that's interesting uh, news from uh, Auto Nation. We hate to see a we hate to see a woman CEO of any company. Uh, we lose a, one like that, particularly in the automobile business. Uh, we have a, uh, a female with uh, General Motors, and that's one of the few that. Uh, CEOs that are running a car company. So That's right. I think only like 5% of the CEOs in the country are women. And uh, we certainly would like to see that increase. So we hope that uh, maybe when they do replace her, they replace her with another woman. I would hope so. Uh, they're uh, few and far between. Uh, but uh, the ladies are they're gaining ground. And uh, Cheryl is uh, 48 years old. And uh, I'll tell you what, what a heck of a job that uh, she's done, and she's been with AutoNation for quite a while. Uh, I think we're going to go back to Stu. Yeah, we got some anonymous feedback. I think we can get through these things uh, pretty quickly before oh, we sure. get to the mystery yeah. shopping report. Um, so this is a, a great one. It's snapshot results. We were talking about the device that you plug into your dat car's data port, and it transmits information on your driving habits to the insurance company for discounts. 
Uh, so here's the results from uh, somebody who actually used this. Uh, four months from, uh, four mu uh, this is results over four months from the car insurance plug-in device. Uh, 3,200 miles total, miles driven, seven hard brakes, one fast acceleration, 15 days where I used the car for more than two hours a day, zero days when I drove more than 200 miles a day, zero days used after 11 p.m. Grade B+. Got a discount of 8%. Huh. Not worth it. Uh, before the discount, the six-month premium rose $10 <laughs> uh, in a time where Texas rates dropped, and then they applied $48 off. Yay, net savings, $38, or $6.33 a month. That's the results. Well, <laughs> so, who, who puts the box on the car? The insurance guy comes out? I don't know. On, I don't know. Uh, Rick, do you know? No, they, they basically they give you the little box piece, oh. and there's a data port under the dash oh. that you plug it in. So all you have to do is find a safe driver, put it on his car mm -hmm. for six months, and then send it back in. The would only it, drawback would it, would it to know? these... That's the evil car dealer coming Would, would back it know, in. Rick, if is you plug it into another car? Huh? Uh, technically, it could, because... <laughs> Depending on what data it can retrieve from the car. Okay. Now, right. I'm, I'm going to continue <laughs> to throw out my words of caution on these devices, though, folks, because some of these little devices, if they short inside, they can cause problems and put bad yeah, static or damage into they're, they're, the computer yeah. system of your yeah, car yeah. and cause your car to act up. Yeah, so, but it's, it's a fact of life. Yeah. Gonna, it's going to happen. I think it's a good idea. Uh, yeah, I, I do too. So, so I mean, yeah, the, the discount is negligible. But what did you likely do when you had that in your car? You're probably on your best behavior because yeah. you know Most people would right. be. Because yeah. what happens if you're a lunatic? Are they going to jack up your rates? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, here's another anonymous uh, question. It says, I don't understand why car dealers won't agree to have no dealer fees. If it was done by all dealers, then the profits that they would lose from a ban would be made up by a commensurate increase in prices. The net effect to the consumer would be neutral. Well, your, the dealer fee advantage is, is uh, the, we, have, we have awfully certainly Mark Fisher on, uh, what, three weeks ago now? He said it better than I could. He said that when you are shopping for a car, be it cars.com, CarGuru, AutoTrader, uh, most all their, when you're looking for cars, or directly with a dealer, uh, the dealer with the largest dealer fee has the lowest price. Now that's counterintuitive, that's, it's, it's totally unfair, but if I have, we had a car dealer Week before last, that was the uh, Napleton Hyundai with a yeah, $5,231. $5, okay, so Napleton Hyundai has $5,000 in dealer fees. So when he advertises in the newspaper, online, on AutoTrader, he can price his car uh, lower than yeah. anybody else. He could price, he could price his car $2,000 below his actual cost. Right. And he's still going to make a three thousand dollar profit. Yeah, the, the, the best example of this is when we ran that a parody ad years ago. We we advertised back when we were allowed to do this uh, by Toyota. We advertised an, a brand new two thousand and nine Camry for one dollar, and then in the fine print, yeah. we had a twenty five thousand dollar dealer fee. Yes, and that's that was the joke. So yeah. conceivably, that could be done. A dealer could do that today. There's no law in Florida capping the dealer fee. I can have a twenty five thousand dollar dealer fee. I can advertise that car for one dollar, and if it costs me twenty thousand, I made a five thousand dollar profit. That's legal in the state of Florida. Well, actually, it's not legal, but they don't enforce the law. 
the law says you have to include the dealer fee and the advertised price, mm -hmm. but they don't do that. So now I'm getting myself worked up. My <laughs> blood pressure is going up. i got to calm let's, down. Let's move on here. Give me, pass pull me, your, pass pull me yourself together. <laughs> I need a Xanax. All right. Uh, Rick, you got any text over there? Uh, the last one that I have right now is from Karen, and she says, Scotty Kilmer, the mechanic on YouTube, very famous guy there, says, never put seafoam additive into your car's engine. Seafoam? Do you agree? Seafoam? Seafoam is one of these, um, I call them mechanic in a can. Oh. It's, it's one of those additives that you're supposed to put it in the oil or something, others that you'll put in the fuel, yeah. and they're supposed to clean out your engine, make your car run better, increase your fuel economy, increase oh. the power, you know, make yeah. the water of the world clean again yeah. and kill litter all over the world. Is it from the sea? And uh, I wouldn't even guess. But 99% uh, of these uh, chemicals, folks, these are snake oil. They yeah, are yeah. blue smoke and mirrors. If you're lucky, it won't hurt anything, but it ain't going to help anything. They, all they're helping is they're helping themselves to your money. Exactly. No, oh, man. Next. Uh, we got a comment on Facebook real quick, uh, uh, agreeing with Nancy. Uh, Bob's worked for an extended warranty company. Most are crooks and very few on the up and up. So Nancy is absolutely right. They're, business, they're in the business to make money, not help you. Um, Thank you. Yeah, we have a text here. Uh, no name on it. It says, good morning. Oh, it's John. Sorry. John here just wanted to know about this car AC stuff. Years ago, I heard that the same company that owned the R12 also owned the R134 and just did this to charge more for the product. Now, is this the same case again with the new one, uh, just to charge more? Well, R1, R12 was found to be causing problems with the ozone. And in older cars, the AC systems were massive capacity. They used a lot of that chemical. And when it leaked, they would just let it go. It was 99 cents a can. R134, came out it's much more expensive it's not as efficient it doesn't work as well but they could actually run smaller capacities with it so there's less chemical in there and now the new one two three four chemical which is much more expensive the machines that are designed to use it are federally designed to where they won't even allow you to charge the system unless it's been leak tested first they're, they're very, very finicky on making sure yeah. that these chemicals don't escape. But what they're trying to do is get AC chemicals that won't destroy, destroy the ozone layer. Gotcha. Okay. I got a great text from Steve in New Jersey oh. um, talking about the gas cap situation. Uh, Steve, longtime listener, longtime texter, and occasional caller. Uh, my new Volvo doesn't have a gas cap. Oh. The cap is replaced with a flap, which is open when the gas station nozzle is inserted, and uh -huh. then it automatically closes when the nozzle is removed. Hooray for go. Volvo. Hooray for Volvo. Volvo. Exactly. I know it. I mean, just, you got to think a little bit. Just mm -hmm. think. And you don't, you know, there's so many things, and particularly with elderly people, you know, now that I'm elderly, uh, I'm, I'm seeing all sorts of stupid things that car manufacturers, I guess they never thought about the fact that, uh, you know, people are living longer and they're living useful lives longer, and they're active, and people, there was a time when, you know, at 60, you hung it up. You hung up the shingle. You, 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 know, you couldn't ride your horse anymore. You couldn't ride your, your car anymore, and uh, it's not that way anymore. People, 
are, are driving that are in their 70s, 80s, and 90s safely. And you know, in your 70s, 80s, and 90s, you keep your hands and other things don't work as well. This, the, uh, the cars need to be designed differently. So that's yeah. my message to Detroit and Tokyo. And, yeah, they've got to work well for everybody. You've got you to start taking into consideration. I love it. A flap, no yeah. gas cap on the Volvo. There is a tiny chance that the salesperson just lied to them because they forgot to put the gas cap on it. <laughs> just kidding, Steve. Yeah. Um, real quick question for Rick. Rapid fire. How do you reset the requ maintenance required light on a 2018 Toyota Tacoma? Uh, you're going to go into the steering wheel controls, look for settings, vehicle settings, and maintenance reset and say yes. Very good. Um, morning all. Uh, I work throughout PJ National where they are currently laying new asphalt on the roads. Just wondering if you guys like me get a kick out of driving on new asphalt, the little joys of life. And let me tell you, yes I do. I do too. Yeah. We had the dealership renovated and one of the last things we did was re-service uh, the parking lot. And I tell you, every time I drive in there in the morning, I yeah. get a feeling of joy. <laughs> I even like the smell. I like the smell of I asphalt. I do too. Yeah. yeah. We're weird. Yeah. Guess what? We're all caught up. Mr. Very Shopping good. Mr. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to let you know that the lines are closed. Uh, they're shut down right now, and we're going to go to the Mystery Shopping Report. And uh, you reading the Mystery Shopping Report is real important. So uh, rate uh, this uh, Mystery Shopping Report that's coming up, and uh, I believe that it's from uh, Greenway uh, Kia. Yeah. I don't have a, but you a can still copy myself. You, you can still text us, and you can still anonymous then, feedback, because if we get through with this a little early, we'll get to the text and to the anonymous uh, feedback. You took the words right out of my mouth. And that text number is 772-497-6530. So rate the mystery shopping report and pass us a text. If uh, we have a couple minutes, we'll get to it. Okay. Greenway Kia. And I have to say, when I read this, I said to Stu, what, what? is Greenway Kia? <laughs> I haven't heard of Greenway Kia. Uh, Greenway Kia was West Palm Beach Kia. Apparently, they sold out. And uh, has anybody heard of Greenway Key? I guess they. Uh, we must we be shopped them last August, and at the time we were like, "Who the hell are these guys?" Oh, okay, so yeah. we so we did shop them. I thought we shopped them when they were West Palm Beach. Anyway, yeah. uh, my, I'm, I'm not trying to make fun of them, but it's not a good idea if you're selling cars that people don't know the name of your dealership. Yeah, I thought it was in Illinois. Yeah. <laughs> at any rate, here we go. Uh, last week we revisited the Takata Airbag recall issue. It's been over six months since we tried our Takata test at one of our area car dealerships. Everything's relative and the COVID-19 pandemic is making most of our problems seem small by comparison. I keep telling myself that when I get up said in little things. I mean, you're right. I mean, a huge, it's almost like a movie. I, I feel like I'm in a movie, this COVID pandemic. Uh, you know, I wake up in the morning sometimes and I forget till I see my uh, face mask lying beside my bed. Uh, but even though the Takata death count is nowhere near as staggering as COVID-19 is, it's just as impactful to the families who lost loved ones to this frighteningly dangerous safety defect. And we don't know how many people actually we've lost no. because often uh, horrific accidents, uh, there's no autopsy. You just have uh, somebody that died and you don't know whether it's shrapnel from a exploding airbag, defective exploding, uh, inflator or something else. So. Uh, we just don't know. Another point to make is that the Takata problem will be with us, and this is a very good point, long after we have a vaccine for COVID-19. It's going to happen, folks. This thing will be over, and the world will return to normal, 
pretty much. At least we won't have the COVID to worry about. But we're still going to have other problems. And uh, uh, this is uh, Takata thing is on the back burner now. So when this is all over, uh, we have to th realize we've got 140 million cars out there on the road with defective Takata airbags. Now, I'm going to repeat that. There are 140 million cars on the road that have defective Takata airbags. These uh, inflators are like a hand grenade. They explode in your face if your car is in an accident. Sometimes they explode when your car is not in an accident, sending shrapnel throughout the entire car, and you are either defaced, defamed, not defamed, but uh, what's the word? Dis maimed. Disfigured. Maimed. Maimed. Disfigured. You know, I've seen ads from NHTSA, and that's what they're using. It's an image of a uh, steering wheel that's yeah. partial hand grenade. Yeah. So. Pretty bad stuff, and uh, I know it's hard to focus on something outside of the coronavirus, but we're going to do it. Now that I've scared the hell out of everyone, let's uh, lighten things up a little bit, okay? Our mystery shop last week of Naples North Palm Beach Hyundai began as a Takata test, but quickly dissolved into absurdity. Uh, we discovered another young, inexperienced salesperson with a heart of gold who was directed by his manager to basically rip off our mystery shopper. Uh, we're seeing a whole lot of young kids out there that haven't sold cars before. And it's the economy. They probably lost his job at the uh, restaurant, uh, lost their job somewhere else, and car dealers are hiring. The car business is not bad, folks. Uh, people are buying cars, and they're buying used cars, and they're buying new cars counterintuitively, but apparently there's something about uh, a car being a safe place, and uh, a lot of car, people, a lot of people didn't buy them in March and April. <laughs> so. Yeah, that happened. And plus, the fact you got to have a car, you got to have a car. Rick, you can drive your car to work yes. and live in it. You can't drive your house to work or yeah. your apartment. So exactly. true that. Exactly. Uh, we uncover the holy grail of ridiculously huge hidden dealer fees at this report at Napleton last week, Napleton Hyundai, uh, five thousand two hundred thirty-one in dealer fees. Uh, by every name imaginable. Uh, they had one, uh, this is a really incredible, $1,960 dealer fee, hidden fee, I like to call it, for the Napleton experience. And trust me, folks, the Napleton experience is not worth it. <laughs> If they paid you, if they paid you nineteen hundred sixty dollars, it, it begs the you question. don't want the Naples experience. Yeah, like uh, you go in there, like I'm paying for this. <laughs> what? I mean, I would rename it. I would yeah. uh, name it uh, uh, Fuzzy Wuzzy, or uh, I, I still maintain it's a great name for a band, though. Yeah, ladies and, and gentlemen, the Napleton experience. Yeah, it got so bad at Napleton Hyundai, and this in West Palm Beach. I uh, know this was on North, North, North Lake, Lake Boulevard. North yeah, Palm Beach. North Palm. Mapleton Hyundai and North Lake Boulevard and North Palm Beach. Uh, it got so bad that the original purpose of the investigation, we, we forgot about it, and Agent Thunder was forced to escape. He was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Run, don't um, walk. So we had to go back to do the Takata, and that's where we are now. But we didn't forget what we set out to do, uh, give our listeners a real-world example. And I'm trying to turn the page without licking my finger, and I got my face mask on, uh, of the perils of buying a used car in the age of Takata. We reached online, quickly found one of those ticking time bombs at Greenway Kia in West Palm Beach. Where are they located? In uh, Military Trail? Or? I think Military, yeah. Yeah, yeah they were the uh, old Palm Beach Toyota was when they had built their freestanding building just okay, north same, of oh, Summit. Same place, yeah, yeah. Right. We investigated Greenway Kia, formerly West Palm Beach Kia, 
last summer. That is now the purpose of our visit uh, was at the cost test. Well, they failed last year, so you could say this week we were offering them a second chance to redeem themselves. The target vehicle was a used 2014 BMW X1 SUV. Uh, BMW is one of the leading cars. Uh, Honda, BMW. Yeah. What are the What are the rest of them? Uh, Toyota. Toyota. Uh, Toyota's up there. Um, we, so we don't see a lot. Of, no Korean cars. No Kias, Hyundai's. Yeah. You usually start looking at Fords. There's a bunch of them. Uh, by the way, if you're curious, I mean, obviously you can run your VIN, your own VIN, on safercar.gov. But there's something called NHTSA Recall Spotlight. It lists all the manufacturers and the years and models affected. You know what I do if I were a manufacturer? Uh, I would uh, I would do a count of all the cars. It's a matter of public data of all the cars out there with the airbag recalls that have not been fixed. And if I had a, if I, if, I don't know, a Subaru or there, there's some manufacturer out there that doesn't have very many, I would run an advertisement and okay. I would say... No Takatas. Yeah, I have no cars out there with defective Takata airbags. Yeah, Kia should do that. Yeah, Kia, there no, you I go. Don't, I don't think they're on the list either as Hyundai. Okay. I, I could be, I mean, there might be yeah. a small amount, but they're yeah. certainly the lowest. Yeah, I mean... That would be good for two reasons. It would help Kia and, it would, and or, or whoever, Hyundai, but it would also flash a warning signal to the culprits out there, like BMW and like Honda and like Toyota, that have a zillion cars out there, 140 million cars with defective Takata airbags, and uh, it's just a, a crying shame that this isn't talked about more. Uh, anyway... Here's the report, uh, and I'm talking as if I were Agent Thunder. I made my way into the showroom of Greenway Kia in the late afternoon. It looked busy. Before I approached the receptionist, I observed the scene. It was an older building, but clean, with maybe a half dozen new Kias in it. Everyone I saw was wearing a mask. Everyone. <laughs> Kudos. This has happened three weeks in a row? Yeah. And I think it was commensurate the law. with yeah, the law. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, you're saying, oh, yes, yeah, the law, so car dealers will obey it. Car dealers <laughs> don't obey the law. So. How foolish of me. Oh, I, I, can we take some credit for that? We were screaming and yelling and like, embarrassing dealers where they weren't wearing masks, and we went on dealership after dealership, nobody wearing a mask, and we hollered about it, and now everybody's wearing a mask. So I'm going to pat myself on the back a little bit. I think we helped. I said hi to the receptionist, said I wanted to see a used car I saw online. She offered to get a salesperson. I was approached by Buddy, and that's not really his name, and uh, we're going to try to be careful about not embarrassing car salespeople that are innocent. Uh, innocent in the sense that they're following orders, and they're not, they're not the, the cause of the crime. They are yeah. pawns. Uh, yeah, they're pawns in yes. the crime, so, so we don't want to embarrass Buddy. And that's not his real name. I like myself in the last week. Uh, buddy was young and uh, and and ex ex inexperienced. I described the vehicle I had seen to him, and he led me to a desk. Now, Nancy's standing beside me here. Uh, do you have something for me, honey? You know, I was wondering if you could interrupt Mr. Shopping for it while we were on to get breakfast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we sat down and Buddy You didn't give me my copy of Mystery Shopping Report. I was I checking, checking your page, that's I'm all. I'm sorry. We sat down and Buddy explained he needed to get some information from me before proceeding. He asked for my name, phone number. He insisted on more than one, email address and home address. I mean, he's really ticking things off the checklist. Then he asked me why my auto who my auto insurance carrier was. I don't believe I've ever heard that question from a car salesperson that we've mystery shopped. 
I was asked why that was necessary at this stage in the progress. He seemed uncomfortable, nervous, and said it was a question and he was required to ask it. So you can see the pattern here. Uh, he'd been through an indoctrination, a training session, probably never sold a car before, and he's following orders. But he took all the information about me, he'd written down, left saying he'd be right back. In a few minutes he returned and said, so you know the vehicle just came in and we really haven't inspected or checked it yet. What would you like me to do? Now that's a rookie comment and the same thing happened last week, right Stu? The car, the had, car not, had just arrived just and they arrived. said it hadn't been inspected. Yeah. Now, you ask yourself, if a car just arrived and hasn't been inspected, why are you advertising it? And how can you establish a price on a car that you've never inspected? Assuming the car had uh, $2,000 of reconditioning costs, certainly that would be a factor you'd have to consider before you set a price. Uh, you might not even have uh, want to advertise the car because it could be a car that would be so unsafe that you'd have to wholesale it. Uh, Without getting into the weeds, there is a way to do that. Yeah. Um, at the time of appraisal, the appraisal tools they get, yeah. they estimate it while they're actually appraising it, and that factors into the appraisal and the pricing later. Exactly, and every car probably, if the dealership has any sense at all, they run a Carfax report before they appraise a car or buy a car, yeah. because car dealers are buying cars just like you're buying cars, except we buy them at wholesale and you buy them for retail. So you want to get all the information you can before you establish a value for a car. Puzzle. I asked him if it was for sale. It was being advertised on their website for $10,175. But he said it was for sale and asked me if I'd like to take a test drive. I told him that uh, with the COVID thing, I didn't feel comfortable going for a test drive. I asked if we could see it, start the engine, and see how it sounded. He said he agreed about test drives. He isn't uh, comfortable with those either. So, smart kid. But he led, uh, led me outside. We wandered around the lot but he couldn't find the vehicle. Uh, yeah, this is, this is standard, uh, happens to a lot of car dealerships, especially with rookie salespeople. But he speculated it might be in the service department. He directed me to return to the showroom while he investigated. He said he'd come to get me when he found it. I followed his instructions. 15 minutes later, Buddy returned, said he found the car. We went back outside and he led me to the X1 BMW. He was quiet as I pretended to inspect everything carefully. I asked him what he knew about the car, were there any mechanical problems, but he said he didn't know anything about the car. I asked him if there were any safety issues, but he repeated that he didn't know anything about the car, but then recited the off-used line, we can print a Carfax report. So they do have a Carfax report, or maybe they don't. I, oh, they do. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah, they, they could print it, so yeah. uh, they could download it and then print it. Yeah. I mean, it's on their websites. Yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, they just didn't look at it, or right. maybe they did, I don't know. We went back inside, sat down, Buddy left again, saying he'd be right back. Uh, he returned with his manager. Uh, why are we keeping the manager's name a secret? Or not. Uh, oh, okay. that we're keeping Agent Thunder's name. He's okay. addressing Mr. Thunder there. Okay. Well, and we, we never got the manager's name. Oh, he didn't get the manager. Yeah. We, should, we should. The managers are guilty, yeah. so they should have, we'll have to name them. Uh, hey, Mr. Blank, and we're keeping uh, Agent Thunder. Deal. Agent Thunder, I just want to thank you for your coming in. Buddy is a little new, and I wanted uh, wanted to help. I think you would know that the vehicle just came in and has gone through our inspection. What would you like to do today? I told him that I 
That's the second time they yeah. asked me. What well, because I think that same manager yeah. loaded Buddy's lips What I'd like earlier. to do is I'd like to go to the beach. Yeah. <laughs> what I'd like to do today is not But be. I got to buy a car. I'm here. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to know if I had, if the car had any safety problems, any accidents, etc. I said I want to see Carfax report like Buddy suggested. I said I was willing to wait until they finished their inspection before finalizing the deal. The manager said we could do that. They both left, and I waited. Several minutes later, Buddy returned, handed me a Carfax report. He sat down while I read it quietly. I found the Takata airbag recall, and I asked him what it meant. What's this mean, Buddy? Buddy looked at it and said, I don't know. I don't know. I said, it looks like it involved, it's involved in an airbag, but he said, sort of shrugged, and I mean, I, you know, the kid is uh, inexperienced, and he's doing his best. So I'm glad we're keeping him anonymous. Don't want to embarrass him. But he looked past me. It seemed like someone had had his attention across the shore. I mean, nodded to whoever it was behind me and asked me how I would like to pay for the vehicle. I said, I want to pay cash, but I would entertain financing if the terms were attractive, but he left again. After a while, he came back and uh, began to explain the worksheet that he had with him. The selling price was 9998 strangely enough, $177 lower than the online price. And I think that happened last week, too, didn't it? They, 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 uh, they just, yeah, they gave yeah, the right, yeah. It just, uh, the stuff like this is just... They, they do that to, so you release endor yeah. endor no, they do it to release endorphins. Oh, you think so? Ooh, yeah. Ooh a discount. Yeah. They added $866.40 in taxable fees, taxable, a $215.55 administrative fee. No, it was actually administrative. I yes. thought when student wrote the report, it was a typo, nope. but that was also a typo on the worksheet. It was pre-printed on the worksheet. <laughs> pre uh, so you guys, Greenway, you're, you have an administration fee. Which is that'll uh, tell you yeah. that'll tell you how carefully people read these things. Yeah, I thought you had. I a, mean, that's what you have to pay when you get the Napleton experience. I mean, I would if I was a customer and I'd say, "Hey, you misspelled administrative," and the salesperson you would think would say to somebody, "You may," but nobody said. Agent that. Thunder didn't notice it. I caught it. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, yes, that is how it's on the worksheet. Okay, then sales tax and four hundred fifty-seven dollars and non-tax fees. More dealer fees, right? No, the the taxable is the dealer. The non-tax is the registration. Oh, okay. But I suspect that is inflated. Four hundred fifty-seven oh, dollars okay. is a lot. For oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I got it. Yeah, that was my. Yeah. So the so the total dealer fees were uh, over a thousand dollars. Okay. Mm -hmm. I read it too fast. I took the sheet from him and stood up. I said he would uh, wait to hear from him after the inspection of the BMW was finished. I started to leave, but Buddy stopped me. He said a manager had to walk me out. Uh, or he'd be walking with me. And he really said it just that yes. way. Or he'd be walking out with and, me. And I asked him, are you serious? I can't walk out? You have to walk me out? Uh, he said... No, a manager had to walk manager out. manager had to walk out. Then he said they'd fire him on the spot if I left him, uh, let him leave without a manager. I said, wow, okay, I'll wait. Buddy brought the manager over to me, who spied the worksheet in my hand. He said he was sorry, but I couldn't take it with me. But it's okay to take a picture of it. I mean, this, we hear this over and over again. I don't understand that. And to fire a kid because, I, I, I don't want we're running out of time here. Anyway, they failed the Takata test. They didn't even remotely try to disclose the danger. Uh, so there we are, uh, failing a Takata test. Uh, anyway, let's, let's vote, we're running out of time.
Yeah, uh, we, we have a few, uh, some not goods, no grades yet. Uh, I'm just jump in there and say I'm going to give him a C minus. Okay. Nancy, what a, what's your vote? And do you have any uh, other votes? Um, I have a vote, and it's F. Voting uh, F? F. F? T uh, how about? Uh, uh, I'm going to give him the F as well and say, no, this was a, a total failure all the way around on their part. Jonathan Wellington gives him an F. Oh, yeah. What do you say, sir? I said C minus because I'm thinking on the curve. Uh, you know, I could be wrong, or I'm just feeling good today. Yeah. <laughs> well, they got, uh, you know, they got 100% mass. Uh, they uh, they have dealer fees, which everybody has. Uh, they didn't disclose to the cut airbag. Uh, eh, I'll give them an F. And, uh, yeah, I think uh, there had to be. It was such a, uh, such a total non-disclosure. Yeah. Got to give them that. Okay. Right. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to Earl Stewart on Cars. We'll see you right back here next Saturday morning at 8 a.m. Have a wonderful week weekend. Stay safe.